morning, this evening. Welcome to church. I got used to, used to using a um, handheld microphone in Uganda, actually. There's a lot of things I got spoilt with in Uganda. One of the things, you're talking about changing money, Pastor Malcolm. I was a millionaire in Uganda. I was a millionaire. When Greg asked Pastor Perez how much money we should get out of the bank when we, when we were first going, uh, when he first picked us up, he said, I heard from the back seat, I heard a million. I'm like, what? A million, take out a million shillings. That's roughly 300, well, it's 300 American dollars, and I think that's what, over, 100, uh, over 400, maybe 450 Australian dollars. So I was a millionaire, and we actually got that out twice. So the first time in my life I've been a millionaire. <laughs> Turn with me in your Bible, please, to Psalm chapter 37 and verse 4. I was um, quite thrilled when Pastor James asked me to um, share next week at um, Sunday Night Live, and I thought, how am I ever going to fit in two weeks' worth of miracles and everything that happened into 30 minutes? Well, Pastor, Pastor Malcolm again answered that question on Friday when he rang me up and said, can you please preach on Sunday night because Pastor James has to go. I thought, good, I can get started tonight. So, so just this message that uh, the Lord laid on my heart just over the last couple of days as I've been preparing. Psalm 37 verse 4. Can we have that? Oh, we got that up there. Thank you. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Pastor Malcolm was talking this morning about God's perfect will. And there's other wills. I've, I actually did a bit of research. Pastor Malcolm, you put out an um, a, um, appeal for any theologians that, well, I took that as a challenge. Put out the chat. I did find another verse with perfect will in it. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there's God's perfect will. There's God's permissive will, as Pastor Malcolm was talking about this morning. There's also God's decretive will, which is when God decrees something. If you do this, this will happen. If you obey me, you will be blessed. If you disobey me, there will be punishment. You will not so much be cursed, but there will be a punishment. God's decretive will. If we obey him and heed his voice if we delight ourselves in his, um, in his word, then he will give us the desires of our heart. That's God's decretive will. It's not just any old desire, but it's the desires that he placed deep within us as he knit us together in, his, in our mother's womb. Even before that, before the foundation of the earth, God planned for us to have something to do, that for us to be his hands and feet and carry out and bring about his kingdom on this earth. Isaiah 64 and verse 4 from the Message Bible says this, Since before time began, no one has ever imagined or heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. I particularly want to connect that with God's perfect will for our lives. You know, those who wait for him. No eye has ever, or no one has ever imagined, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. So again, God's decretive will, God's decree, if we wait on him, we will see his will carried out. If we wait on him, we will see his works. 
if we wait especially for his timing, we will be able to see fulfilled everything that he has placed in our heart, those desires that he has placed in our heart. And so the verse that I found this, this afternoon as I was looking, Pastor Malcolm, about God's perfect will, I found it in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. And this, when I looked into it, it fits in absolutely beautiful to, I suppose, an introduction to where I want to go tonight in, in the God placing those desires deep within our heart. Colossians 4.12 says this, Paul's talking here to the uh, people at Colossae, Colossia. Um, He says here in verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always labouring fervently for you in in your prayers, that he may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So there it is there. So he may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And again, Romans 12, 2, that Pastor Malcolm brought this morning, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Here again is God's decretive will, his decree. If we don't conform to the pattern of this world, but if we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, so then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So as a theologian, I did a little bit of a study and had a look at this word, perfect. And it's the word in Greek, teleos or teleos. And it means this. It doesn't just mean, when we think of perfect, we think of, you know, the perfect woman, the perfect holiday, the perfect, everything that we want, that we've articulated and that we've thought about and that we've pictured, for us that's perfect. But God has his plans, God has his ways, and quite often we need to just understand a little bit and get to know what God's perfect will is so that we might find ourselves in the perfect will of God so that he might complete that which he has put in our heart. And that's what that word means. The word teleos in the Greek means this, brought to its end, finished, wanting nothing necessary to sorry, wanting nothing necessary to completeness of full age and mature. And when I looked at the Greek again in this Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12, I found out that the word perfect, which means complete, and the word complete, which is the word, let me have a look, the word playro, they're both interchangeable, but they both mean complete. They both mean to bring an end. So God's perfect will for our lives doesn't just happen in an instant. It doesn't just happen in two weeks in Uganda. But it's something that he placed deep within us when he knit us together in our mother's womb. And that which he brings about through situations and circumstances, that in the right time, if we obey him, if we walk according to his ways if we delight ourselves in his law and in his word, then those things will come, come to pass and hopefully at the end of our life, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter in. That is the perfect will of God, that we complete that which he has placed deep within our hearts, that which he has placed deep within us. 
In Psalm chapter 139 and verse 13, we read about being knit together in our mother's womb. Those desires that he placed deep within us before the foundation of, our, of the earth, but also as he knit us together in our mother's womb. God's perfect will, and this is a, a definition that I got about God's perfect will. It says God's perfect will is a combination of God's decretive will, God's decrees, if you do this, then this will happen. If you obey me, then you will find my complete and perfect will in your life. And also, it's a combination of God's decrees and also his permissive will that he allows us to do. He permits us to choose according to our own free will. So God's perfect will is a combination of God's decrees, his will there, his permissive will, and us activating our own free will to choose his will above anything else. The desires of the heart. Psalm 139, verse 13 again. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says this, and we'll keep that up there, thank you. Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Sounds like when we were knit together in our mother's womb, which God has prepared for us in advance to do. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. Can we have that quote up there now, the next slide? Joel Osteen says this, God knows the dreams and desires in your heart. In fact, he gave them to you. He will order your steps and take you where you need to be. So God's perfect will for us, I guess we're going to find out whether we've been in God's perfect will at the end of our lives because it talks about a completeness. It talks about a fulfillment. And let me just read that the definition of that word playro. The word teleos means to bring to its end. That's the word perfect. But the word playro, which means complete, and the two are interchangeable quite often, means this, to make complete in every particular, to rend perfect, to fulfill, to cause, to cause God's will as made known in the law, to be obeyed as it should be, and God's promises given to us by prophets to receive fulfillment. And so it's this, it's to be obeyed as it should be and God's promises to receive fulfillment. So God's perfect will for us is God's complete will that he put deep within us, he started within us when we, he knit us together in our mother's womb. And Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I've heard it said that, especially in this verse, and especially in looking for what God, what is, what is your will for my life? What do you want me to do? What is your purpose for my life? What, what do you want me to complete in my life on this earth? And you know what? I believe God has protected my life on probably, I could talk about at least five or six occasions, has saved me from death, saved me from even the jaws of a great big white pointer on Fraser Island that was bigger than my 16-foot kayak. 
just so many times, and I believe that when God has placed in your life that those desires, when he has placed his purposes, he will protect you. He will keep you from dying, I believe, until you've completed that, if you so desire to complete that. Otherwise, I suppose sometimes God's protective hand is taken away. But let me share about that a little bit in a minute. Needs awareness in this verse. You know, when we say, God, what is my, what is my purpose? What is my plan? What is my desire? God has wired us, each individual, in such a way that we respond to certain needs. And I want to talk about that for a minute. Needs awareness. You know, for some of us, it might be, and, and I remember as a young child, remember seeing the, um, what are they called? The, the vision, not the vision, the uh, world vision, sorry, for the sponsored children. I remember seeing African kids on television when I was younger. And you know what? I used to cry. And I remember somebody said, a, a pastor from Adelaide, I think, was speaking in, in Perth, and he was talking about this needs awareness. He said, sometimes it's seeing sponsored children on the TV that make us cry. That's a need that God makes us responsive to, and quite often that's the thing that we can, as we help that need or as we fulfill that need in the world. For others, it might be, you know, young mothers, or it might be AIDS victims. It, it You could think of hundreds of things. And I want to ask you tonight, what has God wired you to respond to? What did God place, what desire did God place in your heart from a little tiny baby that you respond to? Something that makes you cry, something that makes your world go round, something that you keep thinking of over and over, something that when God speaks to you, he keeps speaking about the same thing. What is that need awareness that he has placed within you to be responsive to, quite often that is God's perfect will that he wants to carry out in your life only with his power when you become available, when you obey him. You know, at the age of 15, I started having dreams about Africa. I started having dreams about these just bright clothes and headdress. And, and I just saw over and over and over when I dream, when I'd go to sleep at night, when I dream, I would, I'm nearly crying now. I would just see visions of, of African people, really dark-skinned African people in bright clothing and waves of the Holy Spirit just moving through them, people set free from demonic spirits, people being healed, people giving their lives to the Lord. And I saw that time and time again from the age 15. For about the next, I don't know, six or seven years after that, every time my dad pastored this church for many years, and every time we'd have a, a guest speaker, or every time we'd go on a camp somewhere, a church camp, or we'd go away to another campsite down at Harvey Bay, you, you son, come here. God's got a message for you. You've seen the vision. This happened, I don't know, countless times over about five or six, seven years. You've seen the vision and God wants you to know that he's given you, he's placed that in your heart. He's given you that vision. And no matter what you do or say, it's definitely going to come to pass. For many years, I walked away from God. For many years, I did the wrong thing for many years and 
It finally caught up with me at age 17 when I was crippled with arthritis. And thankfully, after a year, God performed a miracle in my life. I saw the healing power of God and I was healed from that at 18. And, you know, I, even though at the time I was crippled, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that God had a purpose for my life and I knew that I couldn't do it crippled and I knew, I just knew that he would heal me. I went and talked to doctors. I talked to a chiropractor in town, Trevor Langton. Some of you might know him. He's moved on now. He actually measured my leg and after I got healed, he measured it again and he said, there's something wrong because he wrote all the measurements down every single month. He said, your leg is actually normal now. I said, I know, God healed me. And so time and time again, actually from that point on, I knew God's miracle power. I just knew his miracle power. And, you know, God's taken Teresa and I, our family, on a journey the last couple of years. We've had some really hard times. Thankfully, we're coming through that now. And, you know, God sometimes allows hardship. He doesn't purpose hardship, but he allows hardship so that that which he's placed inside might be birthed, that which he's placed inside might be watered, that which he's placed inside would be pure, that the dross might be burnt off. And I believe that's what's been happening in my life the last couple of really, really hard years. You know, God wants you to know that these things will definitely come to pass, those things that he's placed within us. If we obey him, then his blessing. If we obey him, those things will come to completion. At about age 19, I was at Fraser Island with my mum and dad and my two brothers. And God came to me. I've always, not always heard the voice of God, but I've always been very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And, and it was like I was just a little kid and, and I've spoken time and time again about the presence of God and him speaking to me very clearly. And I find his presence when I'm just relaxed. It's always by the water. It's always by a creek or by the beach. Or... And I was 19. I was acting like about eight or nine. I was building this massive big sandcastle on the beach at Fraser Island. And the voice of the Lord came to me just like Solomon it was. And he said, David, what do you want from me? And I, every time I feel the presence of the Lord, I begin to get emotional. I cry. And I cried and I said, Lord, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that. And about three hours later, I'd been thinking about it. About three hours later, I said, well, God, you know, I'm very different. I'm always different. I see everything different. Everybody tells me at school that I'm different in a bad way. And so, Lord, whatever you've got for me, I want it to be different. I, I don't want it to be the same as anybody else. And I said, I want to be a great teacher of your word, Lord. I, I just love your word and I, and I want to teach your word. And I said, and no matter what it is, I said, I just want multitudes. Like, you know, some people, I don't think I'm proud. I said, I want a big ministry but I don't want a big ministry for me. I want multitudes. I want to see hundreds and thousands of people saved, delivered from evil spirits and healed. Lord, I want to see just multitudes of people. You know, within two weeks, that was at, at uh, Fraser Island. Two weeks later, we went to a camp at Harvey Bay. Some of you know um, Alan Davies. He's now in charge of our, our missions 
in Australian Christian churches. He was the speaker. Again, you, you there in the, I was, I think I was sitting in the second row in an in a old steel chair that they used to have. You, come here, I've got a message for you. God wants to speak to you. Two weeks after this happened at Fraser Island, and he said to me, you've asked me, this is the voice of the Lord, he said, you have asked me for three things. He said, here is my answer. This is two weeks after this. I didn't even tell my mum and dad. He said, you've asked me for three things. And he said, he said, here's your answer. Son, you have asked me for three things, and here is my answer. Study to show yourself approved, and you will be a great teacher of my word. This will be something so different that you will not fill any man's shoes and neither will anyone fill yours coming after you. And know this, that for which you have seen, that, sorry, that which you have seen and your mind has understood, it will be far greater than that and will touch so many more lives than you ever imagined. Oh, and another thing he said, it will definitely come to pass. It will definitely come to pass. And you know, in all this hardship in the last couple of years, about six months ago, I was out walking and I felt the Lord come to me again and say, David, what do you want from me? Exactly like that time on the beach. And I thought, Lord, you know, I'll have to get back to you on that again. And I thought, well, maybe there's another three things that I could ask him for. And you know, Previously, being in the ministry and, and particularly after my healing, I cried out to God. I said, God, I want to be used. I've been praying for so many people for healing and I haven't seen them healed. What is with that, God? I want to see healing. And the other thing, Lord, you give me quite often words of knowledge for people. I said, I love that and I feel fulfilled. I feel complete in that. Lord, that's what I want, I, I, and, and I see it happening time and time again. It's not that that hasn't happened for a while, but Lord, you know, words of knowledge, that's the second thing. And Lord, the third thing, said, seeing the captives set free. You know, from a young age, I used to have fevers. I used to have evil dreams, really evil dreams, and I'd be so fearful. My eyes were bulging, Mum says, but she'd come in and wake me up, and she'd say, say the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. As soon as I'd say the name, as soon as I'd utter the name of Jesus, she said, you're just so peaceful and you'd fall back asleep. So many times the enemy has attacked me. So many times the, and I, you know what? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I, I've understood that from a, a very young age. So when I said to the Lord, setting the captives free, I'm not afraid of the enemy because I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Those were the three things that I asked for. At the same time, I was crying out to God. I was reading through kings and prophets, and but especially, and I preached many times about the miracles of Elijah when he faced the prophets of, of Baal, when he, uh, when the widow provide, provided for him. And so, for about six months, I was crying out to the Lord, Lord. Where are the miracles of Elijah? I know that you've healed me. I know that you've healed my back. You healed my legs. You healed my feet. Where are the miracles of Elijah? And every time I'd read, where are the miracles of Elijah? And you know what? God spoke to me in the shower. Oh, sorry, around that time, Pastor Perez came. We saw some sponsored children up the back. And so I actually picked the name Elijah. He was a pastor's son. And so this trip to Africa, this trip to Uganda was to visit, I thought, 
was just to visit our sponsor child and meet his family. And so I thought about it and I thought, well, that's, you know, that's good. But you know what? Can we just play that, that number one movie? After 35 years of God calling me to Africa, this is at Entebbe Airport, and it's just the screen on the back of the, the seat in front of me. After 35 years, after God placed in my heart about going to Africa and seeing all these things happen, this is touching down at Entebbe. This is touching down in Africa. You know, if I wasn't so afraid of germs, I, was, I wanted to get out of the plane and kiss the ground, but <laughs> I was a little bit worried I might get a, a bad infection or something if I did that. But, you know, for 35 years... God placed that in my, in my heart. I, I became aware of it at age 15. I'm now 50. So if you do the maths, I think that's 35, 35 years. So, but, you know, I just knew that God was going to, I mean, my plan was to go, you can turn that off now, thanks, and just go back to the PowerPoint. Um, my plan was to go and visit my sponsor child, but God had other ideas. And so here I am crying out, where are the miracles of Elijah? One night in the shower, I cried that out again. God, I was crying about stuff that was going on. And so I was crying out, God, where are the miracles of Elijah? And he said to me really clearly, he said, as you go to Africa, as you go to Uganda, he said, there you will see the miracles of Elijah. This is something that he's placed deep within me about going to Africa. He spoke to me very clearly and said, as you go to Africa, there you will see the miracles of Elijah. This is Elijah and his family. Elijah's in the, in the yellow shirt. Um, I can't remember the girl's name. She's a stepsister. Um, Pastor Moses, his wife Vicky, um, Elijah, another stepbrother, Regan. And on the far, well, on the right-hand side, that's his older brother, Victor. And I want, I'll tell you something about Victor in a moment. And... You know, my plan was to go and visit my sponsor child and meet his family, but God had other plans. I heard through Greg that um, Pastor Perez wanted me to preach maybe a couple of times, you know, maybe on Sunday morning, both Sundays. Then I heard later on I was out at Dawson Mine at Mara, and Greg rang me up and he said, I've just been speaking to Pastor Perez and, and he'd like you to speak at, um, there's a couple of midweek meetings that, you know, maybe five or six times all up. So I went, okay, I can do that. So when I come home, I looked on my computer and I thought, yeah, I preached. God gave me some good messages here, you know. So I'll preach those ones. I started putting them aside in a folder. And I thought, yep, yep, I'm quite confident. Yep, I'll be able to do that, you know, no matter if I've got a microphone or no microphone, no matter if there's PowerPoint or no PowerPoint, I can do that. And then my wife spoke to me like the voice of God. <laughs> what does God want you to preach over there? And I went... Well, he gave me these messages and it's fine. I don't have to do any work. I just take them with me and it's all good. Well, my wife's usually always right. She's glaring at me. She's always right, okay? <laughs> so anyway, then I heard, uh, I, I talked to Pastor Perez myself. I got a hold of him and I talked to him and he actually wanted me to preach 10 messages in eight days. And I went... Teresa was right. I really need to hear from God. And so I prepared my heart. I fasted and prayed for seven days. And I just read the scripture. I actually read through Psalm 119 every day. 
as I got out of bed. And it's, what, 180-something verses, 167 verses. So I read that every day, and I just felt it was actually as I started, God just gave me the message title for every single message that I was to preach, just all in order. And so I was trying to remember them, so I wrote them all down, and I just knew that the way that he gave me those messages was the first time I preached, this is the first one he gave, and just in that order. And I can say this, I mean, if Greg was here, he could confirm it. Every message that I preached was for such a time as this in every church or every place. We preached in the prison a couple of times. But it was just God's word through my heart for that situation exactly. And time and time and time again. Can we have the next slide, please? That's um, actually Victor. Let me tell you about Victor first. Victor is Elijah's older brother. And I want to say, it's nothing, I want to give God all the glory. This boy was healed for 12 years. He's had a heart condition. He's had cardiomyopathy. I think that's the name of it. He's on, now, it was really hard to try and get him not to smile as he held up the, the doctor's bad report. That's it on the left. But, you know, I prayed a prayer for him. I spent about four hours with the family when I first met them. And they said to me, oh, you know, Victor's got a heart condition. We're taking him to the doctor. Would you please pray? And I suppose I'm embarrassed to say this. I prayed, um, I prayed a nice little prayer. And, you know, when I went back to say goodbye the following, I think it was the following Monday after a week, I went back to say goodbye. And they're holding up all these bits of paper and they said, he's healed, he's healed. I went, who's healed? They said, Victor. You prayed for Victor last week. And I went, oh, did I? What did I pray for? It was, it was that sort of, you know, I prayed, I suppose, not out of obligation, but they asked me to pray, so I prayed. And it was a very little prayer. I didn't, put, I didn't put any effort into it whatsoever. That was on the Monday. On the Tuesday, they took him to the Uganda Heart Institute. They hooked him up to machines for a couple of hours, and they could not find anything wrong with his heart. And they said, you prayed for him. I went, but I don't remember. And, and so I want to say this. It wasn't my prayer. Well, it was my prayer. It wasn't my prayer. It wasn't the way I prayed or the effort I put into it. It was his faith. It was their faith. Because in those countries, apart from God, they've got nothing. They can't afford medical treatment. They can't afford doctors. They can't even afford... One of those bits of paper is the list of medicine that he's been on since a very, a very little boy. And so the other miracle about that is they don't have to supply this medicine anymore. They don't have to buy it. And so that was, you know, that was just one of the miracles that I saw when we went over there. Can I have the next slide, please? Just talking about what the, the messages that God laid on my heart. I, I spoke at, past, at a prison first on the first Sunday. Then I spoke at Pastor Perez's church on the... Monday night, I spoke out at a, another village, and, and I'll talk about that one, actually, um, next Sunday night. So you're all going to have to come to Sunday Night Live to hear about that story. But it was, it was all about, God showed me that wherever I was to preach that message, they were facing a spiritual battle, both individually and as a church. And I prepared the messages two weeks apart, like Monday night and Tuesday night, and they were almost identical. As I read back through them, I thought, oh, no, I'm going to have to change that. And I felt God say, don't change it. 
this was the message that I preached on the third night after dealing with, you know, it is finished and, and the spiritual battle. And it was from Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? And then the third night I preached from Psalm chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 about blessed is the man who is planted. And the focus of that, as God laid it on my heart, the focus of that was about putting down roots deep into the water and seeing fruit being planted. Can I have the next slide, please? But the opposite of that, to, to not be planted, remember the man that Jesus prayed for when he was blind? And I reread that again. He actually spat on his eyes. He didn't just spit in the mud and make mud. He spat on his eyes, laid hands on him and prayed and said, what do you see? And what was his answer? He said, I see men like trees walking around. God showed me that. I've never, ever seen that before. God showed me that. And the whole message was about instead of just wandering around looking for God's will anywhere, put down roots, put down roots in the church, put down roots and, and plug into that water where God will allow you to grow and bear fruit, where your leaves will not wither. That's what that verse is taught. The opposite about that is the next three verses in Psalm 1 about, um, about the wicked. The wicked shall perish. And I, I didn't focus on that, but, but that was the focus. And then through the week, I was asked to preach a couple of extra messages. And I thought, oh, dear. All right, I'll pick this one. So I picked another message about the eagle. I preached that here about the seven things I saw with an eagle and a pesky little bird. And I thought, I'll pick that one. And you know what God said? No, I want you to speak this very clearly. I want you to speak this message. And that was on the Sunday. I preached three times on the second Sunday. The first Sunday was in the prison. Uh, so, sorry. The first time on the second Sunday was in the prison again. And I went to this other little church. And there was only a handful of people. And then I went to Pastor Perez's church. So three times on the Sunday morning. And then Sunday afternoon, that was when I found out about Victor's brother. Uh, Elijah's brother. So that was a wonderful Sunday. I'll talk about that next week. But as I preached that message, you know, I, I made the pastor cry. I was like, what's, what's going on? What, I've offended him. What have I done? He's sitting there blubbering and crying. And as I preached this message, but the focus, I just felt the focus of that was, you know, don't, don't wander from church to church, but just be planted. Be planted in this place. It was only a handful of people. And apparently they thought I was coming back that night. So the church was absolutely packed and overflowing that night. I wasn't there. But, <laughs> but the pastor was crying. And the guy that was in, another pastor, Pastor Robert, that was interpreting for me was his overseer. It was his, he called it his little baby church. It was just a church plant. And he said, he said, you saw that pastor crying? I said, yeah. He said, he was crying to me on the phone yesterday. He was asking me, please help me pray. Please believe. These people are walking around from church to church. He said, I want them to be planted. I don't mind if they're planted in this church, but I want them to be planted and put down roots and tap into the living water. And I come along and preach this message. That happened so many times when I preached. It was just God was speaking to me also. And so, you know, as I was preparing, that the, next, the next place, I preached at this place for three nights. The next place that I preached, I started there on the Thursday night, preached Thursday. And all along, there was miracles, people getting healed, people getting set free from demons. Can I have the next slide, please? 
the message that God had me preach in the next church when I started was about spiritual authority and being undercover. And I actually went and bought an umbrella and I had the umbrella, the interpreter held it for me. And I talked about uh, rebellion being like witchcraft. It says that in the Bible. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And I really, I suppose I really hammered that and I thought, oh, I don't know how this is going to go over. We'll see what happens. The pastor got up after I was finished. I prayed for people and the pastor, or before that, the pastor got up and he said, I've been talking to you people about being rebellious and now this pastor, I can't say it like he has because he's the, He's a visiting speaker, and so he said, this is what I've been talking to you about. And on the, that was on the Thursday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night was the last night, and there was two people sitting, two really dark people. Not, I mean, their skin was even darker than Ugandans. Found out later they were from Kenya. He was the guest speaker that was to preach on the Sunday. Guess what message he preached? He preached this exact same message to them on the Sunday except without the umbrella. They said, you came, you didn't know anything, you preached that message. He's come from Kenya and he's preached the same message to us. And so God just was over and, you know, it's just things that God's placed in my heart. But I want to say God's perfect will is not something that we just, you know, bang, it happens and maybe we've missed it. But it's something that God wants to complete in our lives as far as the things that he's placed deep within us, the things that he's placed um, with us from when he knit us together in our mother's womb. And so let me just play uh, the last Sunday, and I think I'll be finished soon. <laughs> Do you know they have praise and worship in Uganda for two hours? They're only just getting started. <laughs> I think that when the rapture happens, I, I think I'm going to pray that us Aussies go by Uganda so we get used to praise and worship being forever around the throne. <laughs> can, I, can we just play, oh, sorry, before we play that little movie, the second one, when the, last, the first Sunday that I preached in Pastor Perez's church, there was this little girl, this beautiful little girl. She had a bright, actually, let's play the video and then I'll, and then I'll tell you about her. This little girl. Isn't she beautiful? She just absolutely, she just stole my heart and captured my heart. She brought great joy to me and great happiness. And I was thinking about that. And God laid a message on my heart for her parents. I didn't know who her parents were. But God just laid a message on my heart. Thank you, you can stop that now. God laid a message on my heart for her parents and the people that she was sitting with that I thought were her parents, it just didn't seem to fit for them. It was a message that there was so much grief and sorrow and sadness in their lives and in their family and God wanted to take all that away and replace, the, bring the oil of joy for mourning and the garments of praise uh, for happiness, or sorry, the, the garments of... Let me just read my message, my notes here. Um, you know, I saw her dancing and God wanted to bring, it, as she brought great happiness to my life, I felt that God wanted to bring beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I felt that was for her parents. When I looked... It just didn't fit for the family that she was sitting with. I asked Pastor Perez after, 
And I said, that little girl, was that her family? He said, no, no, she belongs to somebody else. So I thought, well, that's good. Maybe that word is still for her parents because it def- I didn't know them, but it definitely wasn't for the people that she was sitting with. And so the ne- I, I put it on the shelf. I, I just forgot all about it. And then the next week, as I was sitting in the same place, I looked in the same place and I didn't see this dress but the girl was sitting there. I didn't know it was her. And I asked Pastor Perez, I showed him this video. I said, who is this girl? You, you know, are her parents here? Because I believe God's got a word for her parents. And so as he, he asked around and found out it was the same girl sitting in the same place, just wearing different, a, a different dress. And she was just lost in worship. Actually, let's have the next movie number three, please. This is, this is the following week, the same girl, just absolutely lost in worship. And just, I don't know how old she is. She looks about three or four. Maybe she's a little bit older than that. But she just, she just captured my heart again. And I knew that I had to give, on the second Sunday, I had to give this message to her parents. And so, thank you. And so, I asked... Uh, after I'd finished preaching, I asked, can we just go back to the PowerPoint now, the last slide in the PowerPoint. I asked if her parents were there and I heard that her mum was there. That's uh, her with the black headdress. Her mum was there, but her father wasn't. And they said, oh, it's a little bit of a bad situation. But, you know, so anyway, I, I called her forward and I, I just asked her the question. I said, look, God's given me a word for you, for her parents I said, she's brought great joy and happiness to my life and God wants to bring that into your life and into your family. He wants to take out, I said, has there been any grief or sadness? And she started crying and she said, yes. I said, well, I know this is the word for you then. So I gave, that, gave her that word and then I asked the pastor's wife, Pastor Florence, to come and just put her arms around her. I just felt God wanted to say that he's... He loved her so much. He had his arms around her and he just wants to bring great joy into her life and into her family. And then it turned out that the very next day I met her husband. The, the, um, Pastor Perez pointed him out to me. He was building at the school. He was bricklaying and he was doing cementing. And I'd already talked to this guy and I'd already taken his photo down in the corner laying bricks. And I had a bit of a joke with him because he said to me, do you, he was a bit cheeky, he said, do you drive? And I said, yes, I drive. He said, but I'm a better driver than you. It doesn't matter what, he was just being a bit cheeky. And I said, Are you a better driver? Yeah, yeah, that's my truck out there. I went, okay. I said, can you drive through the water? Tom will understand this, where's Tom? Can you drive through the water? He said, no. I said, can you drive in the sand? No. I said, can you drive in the mud? No. I said, can you drive up a really big hill? He went, no. I said, well, I can. I've got a four-wheel drive. I said, so tell me who's the better driver. I was having a joke with him. Who's the better driver? Anyway, he laughed. He said, okay, you've got it. This is through somebody was interpreting. And so this is a couple of days before, but on this day, I said to him, your little girl in church, she dances. And he said, yes. I said, so I said, look, God's given me a message for you and for your wife, for her. I said, I gave her the message and I showed him on my phone praying for this lady. Pastor Perez took that photo. 
And so I said, is this your wife? He said, yes. I said, let me go and get my camera. So I went and got the camera. I showed him that, that video that I've just showed you of her dancing. And he put his hand on, my, on his heart and he just, he just had tears. He said, oh, she's a beautiful little girl. He said, that girl, every time, and he, and he said, oh, I have a problem and I want to change. But he said, that girl, every night before she goes to bed, she says, daddy, you must pray. Daddy, you must pray. Daddy, you must pray for me. Daddy, you must pray. And he says, she's always asking me to pray. And people are always asking me to come to this church. He said, but I want to change, but I can't change. But maybe you can pray for me. And I said, so I asked him that question. I said, look, God sent me to us from Australia to talk to all you people. I said, but if I only came to tell you this, then I fulfilled what God has asked me to do. And I said, and I will be happy. So I told him, I said, your daughter, and I showed him the video again, I said, your daughter brought great joy and happiness to my life. I said, can I ask you, is there been grief and sorrow in your... And he, he burst into tears, this guy here. He burst into tears and just started crying. And he said, he said, yes, there's so much hurt. There's so much sadness. And he said, that's why I drink so much. That's why I'm not a good daddy. That's why I'm not a, a, a good to my family. And he said, but I want to change. And so I told him that. I said, look, God wants to, you to know that just as your little daughter brought great joy and happiness to my life, so he wants to bring that in yours. He wants to t bring the oil of joy for mourning, beauty for ashes and the garments of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And he just cried and cried. He said, you came... God told you that message for me. I said, yes. He said, I was asking God about that because my daughter keeps asking me to pray. He said, so I was just asking God that. And he said, he said, I will change and I will tell pastor when I change and you will know when I change. I said, well, I'm looking forward to that. So I've asked many people to pray for this guy. And so, you know, this is just a, a, a very few of the stories that I have for next week. But, you know, God has started unraveling the picture that he placed in my, in my heart and in my life. And I know that there's so much more to come because the visions that I've seen are so much more. But it was just a little taste of that. So many people were healed. So many people uh, um, were set free from demonic spirits. And just God just wanted me to know that my plan was to go and visit my sponsor child. But his plan was to begin unfolding that which he'd placed deep within the desires that he'd placed deep within my heart to go to Africa but even before that when he knit me together in my mother's womb and that needs awareness that he'd placed in my heart to see the captives set free to see people healed to see people uh, get saved and receive Jesus as their savior he placed all that deep within me and it's these stories that just really encouraged me over the last couple of weeks. And so let me read those last verses again. Thanks, Kate, as we have the musicians back again. Isaiah 64 and verse 4. <clears throat> Since before time began... No one has ever imagined. No ear has heard. No eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him.
I've imagined it. I've had visions about it. And now I've seen and now I've heard the testimonies that have come. They still keep coming, Pastor Malcolm. I still keep getting messages and voice recordings of people getting saved just because I prayed for somebody's protection for their property. And, and I'll talk about that next week. But I'm still getting word that people that I prayed for are, are still being healed. And I believe God started something in me. God started something over there. But His perfect will for my life is the completion of that which He's already started, the completion of that which He's placed deep within me. Psalm 37 and verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Again in Psalms, Psalms 20 and verse 4, May He give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed, that which He's placed inside you. Psalm 21 and verse 4, uh, verse 2, sorry, Psalm 21, 2. You have granted him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Thank you, Father God. Lord, I'm so grateful, I'm so overwhelmed, and I'm so touched, Lord, that you would use a person like me, Father God, to... Go into a place like Uganda, Lord, to see your will be done. Lord, and it's always your timing. We can jump ahead or we can lag behind and we won't see the things that you've placed in our heart. But Lord, at the right time and for such a time as this, Father, we pray. And I pray that tonight, Lord, that you would even begin, uh, Lord, fanning into flame, Father God, things that you've spoken to Many people here tonight about what you'd have them do, about that needs awareness that I've been talking about, about things that are physically and spiritually impossible, Lord, unless you come through as the creator, as the giver of life, as the healer. And Lord, we know that you are all those things. And I thank you for my life. I thank you, you created me. I thank you, you birthed within me a desire, Father God, to see these things happen. And Lord, it's not that I'm anybody special just because I hear from you, just because, Lord, you've used me in this, in, this, in this way. But Father, I'm not anybody special, but Lord, you've gifted each and every one of us. You've placed that desire within each and every one of us, and it's different, Lord. Just as, as, as we read about the body, we can't all be the hand, we can't all be the foot, we can't all be the eye or the ear. But Lord, you've gifted us dif differently and you've wired us differently to respond to different needs and even different crises around us, Lord. And that's the thing. That's your will for our, our life. Lord, may we be found faithful. May we be found, Lord, faithful in little and then faithful in much, Lord God. As you just, Lord, order our steps, I pray that we would find ourselves in your perfect will that, Lord, you would help us complete that which you've given us to do. I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. It's been my privilege to share that. That's part one for next week, but amen. <laughs>